Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Take your Bible and uh, turn with me, if you would please, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at two verses today. We'll look at more of the story uh, than those two verses near the end of the message. But uh, today the title of the message is this, The Need is Great, But... Uh, the series we're in is talking about seriously serving, and you'll be able to see clearly what Jesus is talking about. Uh, there need to be more people going out to, to serve Him and represent Him. Uh, look at, at Luke 10, verse 1 and 2. And the Bible says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of Him, two by two, into every town and place where He Himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So I want to notice five really important truths from those two verses this morning. The, The first one is this, a divine appointment, a divine appointment. There in verse one, it said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. The Lord, that means the one of supreme authority, Jesus, God in the flesh. He is divine, and He is divinely appointing these 72 followers to go forth on a mission for Him. When He appoints them, the the word that's used there means to exhibit or to indicate, to appoint, and the root word means to up to show. So in other words, basically, Jesus brings up these 72 people. He shows Everyone there, that he's sending them out on a mission. He's appointing them to go out and represent him. He's giving them a specific appointment to go forth into cities and towns and areas where he would send them. The word I said a moment ago, appointment, also means to exhibit. Basically, Jesus is doing this. He's sending out these 72 people to be exhibits for him to exhibit for him, to be on display for him, to serve him in these towns and cities where he was about to send them. Now, guys, that mission didn't stop with those 72 because Jesus still has a mission for us. He wants us to represent him. He gave us a divine appointment himself in the Great Commission when he tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. All of us have been given a divine appointment. It's not just people that have a reverend in front of their name or deacon attached to their name or teacher attached to their name or some evangelist on TV attached to their name. If you know Christ as your Savior, he's given each and every Christian a divine appointment that we're supposed to go forth and be exhibits for him to represent him. Second main truth I want you to see is this. They were sent on a mission. The second part of verse 1 says, And sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. 
The word that's used for ascent in this particular instant is the exact same word that we used for the word apostle. They were being set aside. They were being sent forth on a mission is what the word means. They were being set apart to go forth and serve Jesus in these areas where he's about to send them. He's sending them on ahead of him. And when you look at that in the Greek, it means literally before his face, it means to gaze with wide open eyes. So as Jesus sends these 72 out to serve him, to represent him in these cities and towns, He's doing it before his open gaze. And guys, I want you to get a bigger picture than Jesus, the human being, than Jesus, the man. Jesus is the God man. Amen. Jesus was seeing more than just physically. Jesus was seeing beyond that, and his gaze was upon them. And guys, that hasn't changed, by the way. God Almighty in heaven looks down upon us. There's not one thing that he misses. There's not one oversight as far as he's concerned. And he sees whether or not we're on mission for him or not. He sees whether or not we're representing him or not in the world that we live in. So Jesus sends them into every spot, every city is what the word means, where he himself was about to go. And that's in the active tense in the Greek. In other words, Jesus was actually planning. He had definite plans to go to these cities and towns. He's sending them ahead of him to be his representative. Let me, let me illustrate that for a minute. Uh, in that day and time, whenever a king would be going to some other country or some city. The king would send a representative ahead of him, and that person he sent ahead of him would make preparation for the king to come. It'd be similar in our day and time if our president were to be going to a, a foreign country and we send a delegation ahead or we have someone there serving as an ambassador, and they're making plans uh, for the president to show up in advance of his coming. Guys, that's an image of really what these 72 were to be. They were to be ambassadors for Christ. They were to be representatives from Christ in all the areas he was to send them because Jesus wanted to go there himself. Jesus wanted them to go and Pave the way into that city. Pave the way into individual hearts. Pave the way into that town. Pave the way into those spots where he is planning to go. Apply that to us today. That's what Jesus wants us to be, guys. He wants us to be his representative. He wants us to go before him. Jesus wants to go into your neighbor's house. Jesus wants to go in your community. Jesus wants to go in the this city. Jesus wants to go in our county. Jesus wants to go in surrounding counties and areas. Jesus wants to go in our nation. And he wants us to go before him. And we're to be preparing the way for him. The way we respond to people, the way we minister to people. Guys, he wants us to be his ambassador, his representative, more or less paving the way for him to go into those cities, into those homes, into those hearts. That's what he's called us to be. He's called us to be his representatives to go before him. Every Christian, just like every Christian has a divine appointment, every Christian is to be an ambassador for Christ. And he wants to send us forth with the marching orders of the Great Commission to go and make disciples in the cities that we live in today, in the communities that we live in today, in the homes and the families and the individual lives where he 
wants to go. Jesus wants to place every believer, not just me because I'm a pastor, not just our staff, not just people that serve in other roles at Day 3 Church. He wants each and every one of you to consider yourself as an ambassador for him. He wants each and every one of you to be on mission where you understand we're going before the face of Christ. We're going before him, his open gaze upon us, and he wants to see us representing him. He wants to use us to make preparation for him to visit the hearts and lives of people. That's what he wants to use us to do. And he sent them two by two, which is is probably emphasizing a couple of things. At least for me, it is. One we can do more together. Amen? We can do more together than one can do by themselves. We can do more together corporately as a church than just a few people can do. But it also did this. Sending two by two, it added accountability. Because in with the accountability, if you just sent one and said, I want you to go represent me, the one might just go act like they're representing him while they decided to go play golf. I know they didn't play golf back in then, but you know what I'm saying. But two by two, both of those heard the instructions. Both of those heard, you're to go out and represent me. I'm appointing you to go out and represent me. So that adds accountability to the equation to where each one can help hold the other accountable. It also provides integrity because if you go into a home, you've got someone else there seeing what's really taking place. Because the main point I want you to get is this, uh, we are all given a divine appointment. We all are sent on a mission to represent Jesus, to be ambassadors, to be delegates for him, to help pave the way into the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. The third thing I want you to see is this, the harvest, the harvest is ready. The first part of verse two, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest simply means a time of reaping the crop. And plentiful means very much so in any respect. When you think about a physical harvest, there's a set time of year that the harvest is ready. Then there's a set time of year that the crops are ready to be picked. But what Jesus is talking about, he's not talking about crops. He's talking about the lives of people. He's talking about the eternal destiny of people. He's talking about the souls of people. The, the fields were ripe into harvest. And, and the way Jesus uses that phrase really means this. It means the, the, the fields have been neglected. They were ready. The opportune time, the harvest time was there, but, but they were being neglected. It, it was an opportune time for them to go and serve. And, and yet the fields were being neglected. If Jesus said that then, imagine what he would say today to us about the harvest fields all around us being neglected, and that's failing to share the gospel with others. These 72 followers are to represent Jesus. Jesus knew where he was sending them. Jesus knew there was a great need. Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew there were many people who needed to be harvested for him. He knew the needs of individual lives and homes and cities and communities. Jesus knew it was an opportune time. So he's sending forth these followers, these 72 people, out into his harvest field. Now, like I said, the need was great then, but the need is great now. Let me give you a new stat that I heard this week. There are 5.8 million people lost in our own state of North Carolina. 
I'm not talking about our nation. I'm talking about our own state. 5.8 million people lost. Guys, the need is great all around us, and especially the culture that we're in, because of the way COVID has impacted people in the spiritual, moral condition of the world that we live in today. There are people with great needs and great fears, people that are without hope, people that need hope of the gospel. And with that many lost people in North Carolina, you know, you want to know what that means? That translates over to this. We rub shoulders with them all the time. We see them at the marketplace. They live in our developments. They live in our communities. They live in our county. They live in our city. They're all around us if there's that many lost people in North Carolina. What we need to do is have the kind of eyes that Jesus had. We need to have harvest-focused eyes, and we need to have harvest-gathering actions because Jesus said the harvest is ready, but the problem was this. fourth thing I want you to see is the need for more laborers the need for more laborers. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. People who would toil, people who would use their time, even people who would be teachers, people who would toil and labor in the gospel as though it was their occupation. He said the laborers are few. Literal translation of the Greek word that's used for few means puny. (laughs) The laborers were puny in extent or degree, or number, or duration, or even in value. Jesus sends these 72 followers out. He reminds them of the great need for more laborers. And guys, there's a great need for more laborers in our day and time still, for people to be involved in the gospel ministry. In our churches and in our communities, the need is still great. The problem is still this, few laborers. Some of you have heard this adage before. It's a common thing I've heard all the years I've been in the ministry. I would love to see it flipped on its ear at some point, but the common adage is this. In most churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. How great would it be to flip that over to where you have 80% of the people involved, or 90% of the people involved, 100% of the people involved using their talents and their abilities to spread the gospel and share the gospel in their communities. For Jesus to use them in that way. And because we are few on laborers, that means our effectiveness for Christ is hindered. The church is puny today in the extent of serving Jesus. The church is puny in degree or passion for serving Christ. The church is puny in the number who are serving Christ or puny in the duration of willing to continue serving Christ. And too many people don't seem to see the value of serving Christ. Or if they see the value, it's just in their head and it's not working out in actions in their life. Why in the world is that so? I'm going to meddle a little bit, I guess, but that's part of what I'm supposed to do, I guess. Why is it that people will show up on time for work? I hope you show up on time for work. If you don't, you probably won't have your job too long. And not show up on time for worship. Or you come in and you sit down, but you really didn't show up for worship. Because you didn't prepare your heart before you came in. Why is it people will go and pay attention to their boss, and some of you don't even like your boss <laughs> at work? But you'll pay attention to your boss at work. You, you'll, you'll go sometime maybe just to draw a paycheck, but I hope, I hope most of you are finding more fulfillment and value in your life than just working to get a paycheck. 
Why, why, why will people do all those things and not do those things for Jesus? Because, guys, here, here's the truth. Your boss didn't die for you on the cross. Jesus did. And there's not one thing you can do for your boss at work that's going to last for eternity unless you lead him to Christ or unless you serve Jesus in some way in that position, in that job. You're not taking your peace into heaven with you. You're not taking your car and your home and your hobbies and all those things to heaven with you. You're not transporting your vocation one day to heaven with you. So so why do we allow what we do vocationally to be more important and we will respond to those things and we fail to respond in being a laborer in the harvest field because that's where the great need is. Guys, we need to change our thinking. Irregardless of what you do for a living, that's not who you are. Who you are, if you know Christ as your Savior, is this. You are to be on mission for Jesus wherever you find yourself. You ought to have that mentality wherever you're at. If you go on vacation, guess what? Yeah, you're on vacation, but you're on mission for Jesus. If you go on a business trip out of town, you go on a business trip out of town. But as you do so, guess what? That's an opportunity to be on mission for Jesus. And, and I understand these, these things I'm talking about as far as people finding fulfillment in their job and people being dedicated to their job. Maybe that's not true some in our culture today, but it should be because the Bible teaches the value of work. And I know we're living in a time when our government's kind of paying people to stay at home. That's why you see signs all over the place, people trying to hire someone at, at Wendy's or whatever restaurant it is out through there. Why? Because now they're getting paid more to stay home during that time than they made when they were working. So I understand maybe what I'm saying may not ring completely true in the culture that we're in today, but you get my point. We will do so much for things that will not last. We will be highly dedicated to our, our job, our vocation in some ways. But guys, you're not taking that with you. The only thing that you can take with you to heaven is the reward that you get from serving Christ here and the souls that you win to Jesus here in this life. That's all you're taking with you. You're not taking any of the other stuff. You're only taking those types of things to heaven. That's why we need to be... <laughs> More involved. That's why we need more laborers. That's why we need to be serving Jesus because he did die for us. That's why we need to be doing things that last for eternity. We need to have dedication in, in serving him. Yet the problem that Jesus addresses here is still a problem today. The laborers are few, and that means the effectiveness of the ministry of Christ is hindered in the local church because the laborers are few. The fifth thing I want you to see is this, the solution of prayer, the solution of prayer. Second part of verse two, Jesus said, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When he says, therefore, pray, he's saying, because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's saying, because I'm appointing you to go on a mission of these 72, because I'm sending you forth, because there's great need out there, and yet we don't have enough people to go and, and harvest in my field, because of those things, he's saying, pray accordingly to the Lord of the harvest. And the word he uses for pray 
means to beg God. To beg God. But it means to beg God in this way. To beg God as though you are binding yourself. Now here's the emphasis of that kind of prayer. If you're praying that kind of prayer, and by the way, it's interesting to me that Jesus is telling the ones that are willing to go, pray this. <laughs> and guys, if you're already serving, that means you need to be praying for more laborers right here in our ministry at day three. Because you're already aware of the need and you need to be praying. But, but, but here's what he's saying. As you're praying, as you're begging God to send more laborers, you're not praying with a mindset of, will God send Joe so-and-so over here or send Martha over here? The word Jesus used for praying means to beg God and you're binding yourself. That, that means as you pray, you're saying, God, I understand there's a need. I understand there are few laborers in the harvest. And God, here I am. Daryl come up at the end of the first service and brought Isaiah chapter 6 into it. Isaiah said, God send me. Because he knew of the need. And he said, God send me. Guys, that's the way we're to pray. You're binding yourself. You're binding all you are. You're binding your talents and your time and your abilities. And as you pray for more people to be involved in the gospel ministry and harvesting souls for Jesus, you're begging God, but you're doing it in a way to where... Hopefully the Holy Spirit is tapping on your heart as you pray and saying, I hear you praying, but by the way, there's something I've got for you to do. But you're also praying with a mindset up front. You're begging God with a mindset up front that you're binding yourself to that prayer. Kind of what my shirt says today, your will, not mine. You're binding yourself to that prayer. And Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest. We don't have time to debate that. It's interesting over the years when I read in commentaries and everything about this passage of Scripture, some people argue, well, the Lord of the harvest is the Holy Spirit, or the Lord of the harvest is God the Father, or the Lord of the harvest is Jesus himself. Can, can I make it simple for you? There's one God revealed in three persons. <laughs> no matter who the Lord of the harvest is, just pray and ask him. Amen? Just pray and beg Him to be sending laborers into the harvest because that's what Jesus tells us to, to pray for, to attach ourselves to that prayer. And, and He's saying, pray the Lord of the harvest that He will send out laborers. The, the word means to eject out. We need to be praying, God, eject us out into our culture. Eject us out into our world. And notice whose harvest it is. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send that laborers into. Whose harvest is it? His harvest. Not mine. It's not day threes. It's not yours. It's not the church down the street. It's not some denomination. It's His harvest. Can you guess what we're going to do the rest of the service? We dropped some songs today intentionally. I did a shorter sermon today intentionally because under your chair, if you'll reach there, someone up here in the front cheated already and grabbed his, I, I see. But we prepared a prayer guide for you. 
And, and I want us just to stop and pray over the things that you see there. And I'll be back to close the service in a minute. It's not pray and you leave because I'm going to come back and, 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 and close the service in just a moment. But we want you to pray about your own divine appointment. We want you to pray about how you can be an ambassador for Christ. We want you to pray about the ready harvest, the need that is all around us. 58 million people lost in North Carolina. We want you to pray and ask God to send more laborers into the harvest. Guys, I want you to pray that God will raise up missionaries right from day three church or other churches in our area. I want you to pray that God will raise up church planters, that God will raise up pastors and teachers right in our midst to begin to work in God's fields. And I want you to pray earnestly, beg God to send more laborers, but pray in a way that you recognize you're binding yourself to the prayer. I'm not going to have anyone come up and lead in prayer prompts. I thought about me praying, you know, leading through a section and then leading through a section while you pray or ask someone else to come up and do that. You know what I think happens sometimes when we do that? If someone else is praying, you listen to them pray and you don't pray. So in these next few minutes, I want you to pray over these things. I want you to be serious about this. We're begging God. We're, we're being earnest about this. Pray over these things. It's not time to buzz through it and think, oh, I'm going to run to the bathroom. Or I'll go get a drink of water. Or maybe I'll finish up praying and I'll leave. No, the service isn't over with. This is just a time set aside for you to pray. And if you feel so led, come and kneel. I'm going to kneel for a while. I've got bad knees, but I'm going to kneel. If you want to turn around right in your seat and kneel right there in the chair. If you want to move to a back corner, whatever. But I, I'm just asking you to pray about these things. And then I'll be back.
Our fathers, we finish our prayer time in this service. God, don't let it be an end of a prayer focus that we're asking people to be involved with. I pray each and every person will take these prayer guides home and they'll make it an emphasis of prayer this week. Help us to look around in our world and see that the field is ready for harvest. I know it's easy for us to believe the devil's lie that things are just so bad we can't impact a change. But Father, I think you see things differently because things are so bad. That means that people are looking for hope. And we have the hope that they need in the gospel. So Father, I pray you help us to see ourselves as being appointed by you. See ourselves as being ambassadors for you, representatives of you, that you are, are sending forth on a mission each and every day of our lives. Father, I pray you help us to see the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And, and Father, keep us prayerful, not just prayerful that you'd raise others up, but prayerful that you'd use us. Help us to surrender ourselves to you as we pray. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Hope you'll take this prayer guide with you and continue to use it. Guys, I, I think our culture needs to change a lot, even in church. Um, we, we, need, we can't call anyone to ministry, and, and people don't need to be mama called or daddy called into ministry. God needs to do it. The Holy Spirit needs to do it. But we can quit making our children think that the greatest thing they can do is go out and get a job that earns a lot of money. Go be a doctor. Go be a lawyer. How about being a missionary for Christ? How about serving Him in some way? How about, how about starting to raise that up before our children and our grandchildren where they see that's a lofty goal rather than some of the things that this world has to, to offer? If you did not receive one of these last week, there's one or two still up here at the front. It's the Annie Armstrong Easter offering a week of prayer for home missions. Uh, I'm going to lay those two there. If you did not receive one, uh, or if you fail to remember and pray this week, don't let the devil tell you, well, this past week was a week of prayer. Make this week the week of prayer. And pray for those missionaries that are listed. If somehow you're not able to get a copy of this, if you'll go to my Facebook page or Day 3 Church Facebook page, I've listed every day this week one of the missionaries that are highlighted for us to pray for. This is the purpose and reason for our Easter offering on Easter Sunday, where our goal is $10,000, and that is for us to send more missionaries out to serve Christ in this area. So let's be praying about that in North America. I've already said it a couple of weeks ago, but guys, if we don't evangelize North America, if we don't reach people for Christ here, then we're not going to have people to send over there, send overseas, if we're not focusing upon it here. I want to ask you to pray for me personally, because I've not said a lot about this lately. Most of you know I, I serve part-time on the church planning team of the Baptist State Convention. We had someone retire a few months ago, so they kind of changed our territories. My territory takes in Iredale County all the way up to Ash County, Allegheny County, Avery County, everything in between. Uh, and we need to raise up more church plants and more church planters in those areas. That includes Watauga. Wouldn't it be great to have revival break out on the campus of Appalachian State University for God to raise up a planner there to impact that particular college or any of our college campuses? So be praying about that, uh, please, for me as I, I try and work and 
and serve some other church planters. The rest of the story in uh, this passage of Scripture we're looking at, right on the heels of Jesus said, I'm sending you out. He also tells them this, <laughs> I'm sending you out as sheep before wolves. Now put yourself in that scenario for a minute. Would not that make you want to say, gee, thanks, Jesus. The point Jesus is making, going out and representing him is not easy, but we've got to do it. It is worth facing a wolf <laughs> to serve the king of kings. Sometimes it's not easy being sheep, but we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be following him. Sheep follow the shepherd, and, and, and that means he's sending us out into our culture, just like he sent these 72 out into to their culture. So just know up front, it's not easy, but when it's not easy, don't give up. Matter of fact, the more resistance you get, the more evidence that might be that Satan is scared of you and what you may do for the gospel. If you keep reading in the story, you'll find out after they went on the mission trip, they come back in and they're thrilled to death. They're rejoicing. They're happy. And they say, this is why they're happy. They said, Jesus, even the demons were subject to us. You know what Jesus does? Jesus doesn't say, really? The, the, the demons were subject to you? Great, let's celebrate that. That's not what he does. He, he says, don't celebrate that the demons were subject to you. Celebrate, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And the way that's phrased in the Greek means it stands written. Isn't that good news? If you know Christ as your Savior, your name stands written forever in heaven, never to be erased, never to be changed. And he says, that's what we ought to rejoice. Now, now get this. Jesus wasn't minimizing what these people had done on their mission trip. That's not the point. What Jesus is saying is this. The greatest miracle is not that a demon was subject to you. The greatest miracle is one person coming to faith in me. The salvation of one soul is the greatest miracle. That's the point that he's making. In other words, the greatest thing you can do is for you to go out and win someone to Christ. Not earn a million bucks, not do this, not do that. The greatest thing you can do is go out and win people to Jesus. How many of you have been frustrated lately? Some of you have been frustrated by things lately. Be honest. COVID, our culture, politics. How many got frustrated this week because gas is now regular gas is expensive today as high test was a couple of weeks ago? I got frustrated on my way to church. I looked at a sign that said 277 for regular gas. And that was in one of the cheaper places where you can go buy gas. And I got frustrated about it. And then the Holy Spirit kind of asked me, when was the last time you were that frustrated about people being lost? When was the last time you were frustrated? Ask yourself that this week. When you get frustrated about something, 
Guys, the greatest problem in America is not what political party is in charge. The greatest problem in America is not any of the changes in the laws and rules you're seeing take place. The greatest problem in America is not that gas is now 277. Here's the greatest problem in America. The lostness of America, of, of America, of people in America, the lostness of lives in America, and the few that are doing anything to change it. That's the greatest problem in America. So ask yourself the next time you get frustrated, are you also as frustrated about that lost friend, that lost family member, that lost neighbor, that lost person at work? Are you also as frustrated that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few? Our giving us through the pedestal still this week, a reminder and the announcement that we made earlier through the video in case you came in late. Uh, we are staying with three services through Easter Sunday. Uh, on the 11th, the Sunday after Easter, we're going back to two services. The times, listen up, repeat after me. First service is at 9 o'clock. Second service, second service is at 10.30. And we're going to try and keep the same format, the same length of services we've been shooting for in, in this time. God bless you guys. Please give if God leads you to in the pedestals on the way out. But go out and look at the harvest. And go out and, and think about how you're supposed to be on exhibit for Christ. You're supposed to be an ambassador for Him. Thank you for coming. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.